Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is Chapter 14 of Sketches New and Old. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Sketches New and Old by Mark Twain. Chapter 14. The Office Bore. Written about 1869. He arrives just as regularly as the clock strikes nine in the morning, and so he even beats the editor sometimes, and the porter must leave his work and climb two or three pairs of stairs to unlock the sanctum door and let him in. He lights one of the office pipes, not reflecting, perhaps, that the editor may be one of those stuck-up people who would as soon have a stranger defile his toothbrush as his pipe-stem. Then he begins to loll, for a person who can consent to loaf his useless life away in ignominious indolence has not the energy to sit up straight. He stretches full length on the sofa a while, then draws up to half-length, then gets into a chair, hangs his head back and his arms abroad, and stretches his legs till the rims of his boot-heels rest upon the floor. By and by sits up and leans forward, with one leg or both over the arm of the chair. But it is still observable that, with all his changes of position, he never assumes the upright or a fraudful affectation of dignity. From time to time he yawns and stretches, and scratches himself with a tranquil, mangy enjoyment, and now and then he grunts a kind of stuffy, overfed grunt, which is full of animal contentment. At rare and long intervals, however, he sighs a sigh that is the eloquent expression of a secret confession, to wit, I am useless and a nuisance, a cumberer of the earth. The boar and his comrades, for there are usually from two to four on hand, day and night, mix into the conversation when men come in to see the editors for a moment on business. They hold noisy talks among themselves about politics in particular, and all other subjects in general, even warming up after a fashion sometimes, and seeming to take almost a real interest in what they are discussing. They ruthlessly call an editor from his work with such a remark as, "'Did you see this, Smith, in the Gazette?' and proceed to read the paragraph while the sufferer reins in his impatient pen and listens. They often loll and sprawl round the office hour after hour, swapping anecdotes and relating personal experiences to each other, hair-breadth escapes, social encounters with distinguished men, election reminiscences, sketches of odd characters, etc. And through all those hours 
they never seem to comprehend that they are robbing the editors of their time, and the public of journalistic excellence in next day's paper. At other times they drowse, or dreamily pour over exchanges, or droop limp and pensive over the chair-arms for an hour. Even this solemn silence is small respite to the editor, for the next uncomfortable thing to having people look over his shoulders, perhaps, is to have them sit by in silence and listen to the scratching of his pen. If a body desires to talk private business with one of the editors, he must call him outside, for no hint milder than blasting powder or nitroglycerin would be likely to move the bores out of listening distance. To have to sit and endure the presence of a bore day after day, to feel your cheerful spirits begin to sink as his footstep sounds on the stair, and utterly vanish away as his tiresome form enters the door, to suffer through his anecdotes and die slowly to his reminiscences, to feel always the fetters of his clogging presence, to long hopelessly for one single day's privacy, to note with a shudder, by and by, that to contemplate his funeral in fancy has ceased to soothe, to imagine him undergoing in strict and fearful detail the tortures of the ancient Inquisition has lost its power to satisfy the heart, and that even to wish him millions and millions and millions of miles in Tophet is able to bring only a fitful gleam of joy." to have to endure all this day after day, and week after week, and month after month, is an affliction that transcends any other that men suffer. Physical pain is pastime to it, and hanging a pleasure excursion. End of chapter 14